Heavenly Father, we do thank you for giving us your word, which does tell us about your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would be with us by your Holy Spirit as we look at your word today. Oh Lord, we pray that he may convict us of our sin and our need for Christ and our need to serve him. Lord, we pray that you would be with us and help us to grow more mature in you as a result of looking at your word together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through the book of Hebrews and we've been working through chapter 9 and we've seen that Jesus has gone into a more perfect tabernacle than the tabernacle that the priests went into uh, for many years as commanded by the Old Testament, as commanded by the law. And so we've been seeing that Jesus has gone into this greater tabernacle, and that's what we looked at last time in Hebrews chapter 9, which is found on page 1189 of the Black Church Bibles. I encourage you to have those open before you as we look through them today. We've been seeing that Jesus is a far superior priest, and one of the reasons is because he went into a heavenly tabernacle rather than an earthly tabernacle. But the question then remains is, what has Jesus done by going into that heavenly tabernacle? What has Jesus done by serving us as a great high priest? And that's what we're going to be looking at today, the accomplishment of Jesus by going into that heavenly tabernacle. And they're described, the accomplishments of Christ are described as good things in verse 11. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9, page 1189 says, When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. Jesus has gone into a better tabernacle and he's accomplished good things. He came as the high priest of good things. Now, what are these good things that Jesus has brought about? Well, good thing number one, that might remind you of um, the Dr. Seuss book, The Cat in the Hat, where he has thing one and thing two. Well, today we have thing one and thing two, uh, but they're not nasty little things as they are in The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss. Uh, thing one and thing two today are good things. What is thing number one that God has done for us, that Jesus has done for us by Christ entering into that tabernacle as our high priest? Well, the first thing that we can see in this text is that Christ has given us eternal redemption, that Christ has given us eternal redemption. And that's explained to us in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it says, He, that's Jesus did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Having obtained eternal redemption. What has Christ achieved? Well, he's brought his people out of slavery. That's what redemption means. To redeem something means to bring it out of bondage, to bring it out of slavery. What have God's people been enslaved to? Well, the the best answer to that is to sin. We're described again and again in the scriptures as being in bondage to sin, that we're enslaved to sin and to the consequences of sin, to the, the punishment that we deserve for our sins. We've all been under a curse, the curse of God's wrath because of our sin. But Christ has accomplished a good thing for us. What is that good thing? 
Well, it's eternal redemption. It is that we have been redeemed from our slavery to sin. And he has done that not by the blood of animals, but he's done it by his own blood, it says there in verse 12. Verse 12 says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Christ has paid a price for us to be redeemed from slavery. If you think of a slave, he's enslaved to a master. If he is to be set free, then a price must be paid. And it's the same with Jesus Christ when he redeems his people from sin. And what is the price for for sin? Well, it's punishment. That is the consequence of sin. We need to be punished. But Christ, if he redeems us, he takes the punishment for us. And that's what he did by his death on the cross. He shed his own blood, not the blood of animals, his own blood, so that people could be set free from sin. Thing number one, redemption. What's thing number two in this text? Well, thing number two in this text is that we have a clean conscience. Christians have a clean conscience. See, what is compared in this text in verse 13 and verse 14, is the cleansing that happens of the Old Testament priests and the cleansing that happens with Jesus Christ. See, the sacrifices of the animals in the Old Testament, they had a cleansing effect on the priests. The priests were sinful creatures, yet the killing of those animals did have a cleansing effect upon them. Verse 13 says, The blood of goats and bulls, and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Interesting. We diminish sometimes the effectiveness of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, the blood of goats and bulls, but they did have a sanctifying effect, an outward cleansing on those priests who had committed sin and yet were presuming to come into the presence of God and intercede for God's people. They had a cleansing effect. But did they really clean? That's where verse 14 tells us that the true cleansing comes from Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, "If How much... More then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. See the argument of the author here? He's going from the lesser to the greater. If the lesser thing, which is the blood of animals, did cleanse those priests, how much greater a cleansing will come through Jesus Christ with his blood? which is a superior sacrifice. The idea here is different types of washing, really. We have very clean water coming out of our taps, generally speaking, and so we just tend to think of cleansing with clean water to be the norm. But we also do understand that we can have dirty water as well. And we understand that although the dirty water might clean to some extent, pure water is a superior cleaning product. To be honest, I don't know much about cleaning. Uh, Jill kindly uh, looks after cleaning in our house. But I do understand something of dirty water and clean water and the different uses that you may use for it. 
even as I've uh, painted here uh, and at home, uh, I get paintbrushes and you need to clean them afterwards. And you know that different types of water is more appropriate for cleaning those. Uh, here at the church, we have an old uh, tap system that does run through the back of the church. And when I used to wash brushes here, I used to wash them outside at the tap there. But it, because it's rarely used, rust would come out with the water, which was a, okay to some extent to clean paintbrushes with. But if I wanted to clean a glass with that rusty water coming out of the, ta- the tap, it wouldn't be appropriate because it wouldn't really clean the glass. It cleans paintbrushes okay, sure. But if I want to clean something really well, then I need cleaner water, purer water. And that's what's being spoken of here. It's like there's dirty water, which was okay for cleaning to some extent those priests. At least outwardly, they were clean. But inwardly, they were still dirty. Their consciences weren't cleaned. And so it's with the blood of Christ that a true cleansing happens where your conscience can actually be cleaned. And that is what is taught to us a couple of times in this text. We see that the old system didn't have an effect of cleaning the conscience of the person. They were outwardly clean, but inwardly they were still dirty. We see that in chapter 9, verse 9. Look back with me a couple of verses. Chapter 9, verse 9 where the author says, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered, that's the Old Testament sacrifices, they were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. Yes, they cleaned outwardly, but they weren't able to clear the conscience. And then in chapter 10, verse 2, flip with me there, over the page. Chapter 10, I'll read from verse 1 though. It says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Those Old Testament sacrifices never make perfect. And then what does it say in verse 2? If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Now the NIV drops the word, uh, changes the word there in the Greek, but the word in Greek is the word for conscience. They have a guilty conscience. As they offer these sacrifices, there's still a lingering thought that I'm not really clean of my sins by the Old Testament sacrifices of animals. But with the blood of Christ... A true cleansing takes place. In chapter 10, verse 22, chapter 10, verse 22, the author says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Clean water has come through Jesus Christ and it truly cleanses our consciences which is what is described for us in verse 14 of chapter 9 as well. Chapter 9, verse 14, it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? The blood of Christ cleanses our consciences. Our conscience nags us about our sins, about acts that lead to death, it says there in verse 14. That's what we have on our consciences. We have this guilt about sin. But Christ's blood washes that, 
pure water, not rusty water. Pure water cleanses our consciences, washes our sins away, washes the guilt that we feel about our sins away as well. Now, why is Christ's blood so superior? Why were the sacrifices of animals not effective in cleansing the conscience? Why is Christ's blood so much better? Well, the author gives us a few reasons in verse 14, where he says, How much more, then, will the blood of Christ... Interesting, he says, Christ, the Messiah there, the man. It's not an animal. He's a man if he's the Messiah. And he's the God-man that the Old Testament predicted. He's both divine and human. So his blood is of greater value than an animal's. We sometimes get confused in our day and age that animals are just the same as humans, or even better for some people. It's been a news article floating around uh, this last week about the way that people seem to care more about puppies than they do about babies, about children. They would intervene more if a puppy was in danger than they would if they saw a human child in danger. That is not a right understanding of humanity. A right understanding of humanity says that human blood is of far greater value, infinitely greater value than the blood of an animal. And so why is Christ able to cleanse our consciences? Because he is the Christ. He is the God-man. He is fully human and he's also divine. Scriptures actually talk about us being redeemed by the blood of God. Not that God actually has blood, but in the God-man, he is divine. In Jesus, he is the God-man. And so his blood is of infinite value in cleansing people of their sin. How else do we know that Jesus' blood is of greater value? Well, it's because it was voluntarily given. Isn't it interesting what it says in verse 14? It says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself? He offered himself. Did the bulls and the goats offer themselves on behalf of humans so that they would be clean of their sin? No, they were dragged in. I don't think any bull ever wants its throat cut. What about Jesus Christ? Was he pushed onto the cross? No, he went willingly. He voluntarily gave up his life. It's of greater value, his sacrifice, than the blood of bulls and goats. And we also understand that his blood is of greater value because it is unblemished. Look there with me at verse 14. It says, Who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished, unblemished, without spot, without sin, Because otherwise we might be able to say, oh, another human can take our place. And couldn't another human enter into the most holy place and cleanse our consciences by his blood? Well, it couldn't happen because any other human that you get to do it will, of course, have their own sin problem that they need to deal with. Whereas Christ is the only one who is unblemished. And so his sacrifice is of greater value. So do you understand that no offering is fit to cleanse the conscience other than the blood of Jesus Christ. Any other way that we try to cleanse our conscience makes a mockery of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We're saying that 
This way is fine, which diminishes Christ's work at the cross. If you try to offer something from yourself, if you try to offer somebody else other than Jesus Christ, you are diminishing the work of Jesus Christ and making a mockery of it. It is absolutely necessary to have the blood of Jesus Christ if you want to have a clean conscience, if you want to have the burden of sin lifted from your shoulders. And so if you're not a Christian, I urge you this morning, come to Jesus Christ. Trust in him today. There is no other way to have that burden that you feel for your sin. All of us in this room should know what it's like to have a guilty conscience because all of us have sinned. You're living in a dream if you think that you are not guilty of sin. You need to wake up to reality. Wake up to the fact that you have a burden on your shoulders. Listen to your conscience. It's a God-given conscience. It can lie to you sometimes, but generally speaking, it's a healthy thing to have a sensitive conscience. Listen to what it's telling you now, that it's telling you that you are guilty for your sins and will be punished one day for them. And then as you listen to it, listen to the scriptures and what it says about Jesus Christ and his blood and come to Christ. Don't delay. Have that burden lifted now. It is so wonderful that the text actually tells us that you can experience a cleansing of your conscience even now and have redemption from sin even now. What does it say in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9? When Christ came as high priest of the good things, which we understand to be cleansing and redemption, a part of those good things, that are already here. They are already here. You can have redemption from sin today. You can have cleansing of your conscience today if you trust in Jesus Christ. Don't delay if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Come to him now and get redemption and cleansing. But if you are a Christian, what are you to do in light of this redemption and this cleansing that Jesus has given What are you to do? Well, there is a purpose for this cleansing, for this redemption that has been granted to you. What is the purpose that has been given to you as a result of this cleansing, as a result of this redemption? Well, it's to serve the living God, to serve the living God. Look with me at verse 14. Verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Why has God cleansed your conscience? Why has he redeemed you? So that you can serve, serve the living God. God redeemed you so that then you could act before you were enslaved in sin. You were under an old master and you couldn't serve a new master. But now, because of Christ's redemption, because he set you free from sin, you're free to serve him. You have a new master and you can serve him. You don't run off to serve yourself or run back to your old master. You serve your new master, the living God. That is why he has redeemed you. The purpose is so that you will serve. And that's why he's cleansed your conscience. 
He's cleansed your conscience so that you can serve him joyfully. Think about it. A guilty conscience actually hinders your service. Think of if you had a boss at your workplace and he was always there and he was always making sure that you did the right thing and as soon as you slipped up, he made you feel terribly guilty about it. And every time you did something wrong, you felt guilt, 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 guilt. Is it easy to serve such a person? You've always got a guilty conscience about all the things that you've done wrong ever since you started working at that place. Can you serve in such an environment? No, you need someone who forgives you when you do the wrong thing and then lets you move on, forgets about your mistakes in the past. And that's what Jesus has done. He's cleansed your conscience, not so that you can just feel great, but so that you can feel great and serve so that you can go out and work for him without having to think about all the times that you've messed up and broken God's laws. And so you feel like, I'm too evil to do anything for God. No, he's cleansed your conscience. He's cleaned you up. Each day is a new day. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. He cleanses your conscience. If you trust in him, he forgives you and you can move on. It's like having a shower each morning. It gets you clean and ready so that you can go out and serve. That's if you have a shower in the morning. Maybe you have a shower in the evening. But the concept is there the same nonetheless, that you have your wash in the evening so that you're ready in the morning so that you can go out and serve so you can tackle the world. And that's what Jesus has done. He's cleansed your conscience so that you can serve. So the question is, are you using your freedom, your redemption, and your cleansing for service of the living God. Well, I am encouraged at this church that so many of you are actually using your redemption and your cleansing for service of the living God. I'm encouraged that many of you serve the Lord in honest employment, day after day, going out and working hard for the Lord with your employer, being honest, being fair in the workplace, Working hard, even if your employer overlooks you, if no one notices particularly what you do. If you're doing that day after day, you're going out and you're working hard, that is service to the Lord. That is using your redemption, using your clean conscience so that you can serve the Lord in the workplace. And I know that many of you work very hard in the workplace. I'm also encouraged at this church that many of you use your redemption, use your cleansing, so that you can serve your families. You know that you mess up at times in the relationships that you have with your parents, with your children, with your cousins, your aunts and your uncles, but you get back in and you try to serve. You try to look after them. You try to help them. If you've got an unwell parent, you try and you do your best to help them. That's service of the living God. If you always thought about all the times you hurt your parents or your parents hurt you, you wouldn't serve them. But God cleanses your conscience so that you can serve. And I love how the mums in this church, they continue to serve their kids. What is that? That's service of the living God. Yes, they made mistakes the day before with their kids. Maybe they yelled at them and they got angry when they shouldn't have. They lost their patience. Maybe they didn't praise their children enough. But they don't dwell on that. They keep going. Each day is a new day because God cleanses the conscience. Confess those sins to the Lord and then move on. Mums have a 
a real job before them. It's pretty much a 24-7 job. And they don't get overtime. They can get called up in the middle of the night. But they continue serving. They serve their children because they know that they're serving the living God and they have been redeemed for such service and their consciences have been cleaned. Also encourage that many people in this church, the members of this church, serve the living God by the way they interact with the church family, by the things they do here, the way that they serve the people of this church. I'm so encouraged that Ray and Rochelle, they serve us week after week with their musical gifts. Why do they do that? Because they've been redeemed to serve, because their consciences have been cleaned. I'm so encouraged that Steve Jones, he always opens up his home year after year for men's meetings so that the men can gather and enjoy discussion around God's word and enjoy fellowship. Why does he do that? Because he's been redeemed, because his conscience has been cleaned. I'm also encouraged by the way that the Kids Club leaders come along for many years now, we've been doing the kids' clubs. Every holidays, that Ali, Shanaz, Leslie, Jill, Rodney, they give up their time. Each kids' club, they come along and they serve the living God. And it is real service. If you want to know how tough a kids' club can be, come along to the next one and, and just see. It hurts your legs as you stand all day and doing things. hurts your ears. You get enough kids in a room, enclosed space, you don't know about noise until you hear them running around doing that. Why do these people do this? Because their consciences are clean, because they've been redeemed, and they know that this is part of their service of the living God. And I am encouraged that so many people come and pray in the meeting before we have this service each week. If you've never come to that, do you realise that there are people who come and intercede on your behalf? They may even name you by name, week after week, so that you'll be edified in the service that comes. And that is part of their service of the living God. And how some of you, you come to members' meetings again and again, year after year, to make wise decisions for the Lord's work. Why come to members' meetings? Because we recognise that we're sinful creatures. The leaders of the church are sinners as well, and we recognise that we need collective wisdom of the Holy Spirit to make decisions here. We believe in original sin, that we are still sinful creatures, and so we need people to come along and help us make wise decisions. And I love that members come to such meetings to make such decisions. That's part of their service of the living God. I love that many of you are encouraging to people when you come to church on Sunday, you speak to newcomers, you welcome them, and how some of you serve tirelessly on the rosters. Year after year, your name's always there, serving on the rosters. Why is that? Because you've got a clean conscience, because you've been redeemed for service. And I love how so many people at this church are so generous with their money. They continuously invest back into God's kingdom, their money, the money that God has given them. And that's part of their service of the Lord. I actually had someone outside the church. They found out how much our offertory tallies each year. And they know the size of the congregation here. And they said, that can't be right. That's impossible. Why is it possible that the, their offertory is so high here at this church? It's because the people know that they have been redeemed. The people know that they have a clean conscience. And so they're willing 
to serve the living God by giving to his work. So I'm encouraged by the way that many people here in this church, they serve in the church itself. And I'm also encouraged that many people serve the living God by growing themselves. As they read their Bibles day by day, as they pray, as they spend time in prayer for the people of the church and prayer for themselves and those that they care about, as people serve the living God by listening to sermons through the week and reading Christian books, coming faithfully to church services, to Bible studies, to hear from God's word. That's all part of God's service of serving the living God, meeting with believers and unbelievers, witnessing to unbelievers. That's all part of service of the living God. And it is done because of redemption, because our consciences have been cleaned. This is a wonderful thing that the scriptures teach us here, that we have been redeemed and that our consciences have been cleaned so that we can serve the living God. Because it demonstrates that the motivation we have is not a motivation of guilt before God to serve It's a motivation that comes because God has redeemed us and God has cleansed our consciences. And so it's a joy to serve God. There are many motivations for serving God. But God again and again, the way he motivates us most is because he has acted first and then wants us to act as a result of his first action. That was in that passage we read from Joshua. Joshua recounts to the Israelites, God has redeemed you. He has given you a promised land. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to serve the living God? He has acted. He has redeemed you from slavery in Egypt. Now you act and serve. And it's the same principle. That's really a little shadow of what Christ does in the full redemption that he gives us from sin that we serve the living God because God has acted first, that he has redeemed, he has cleansed, and so we now serve. And we serve out of joy, not of guilt. As I've gone through all the things that I'm encouraged about at this church, maybe you're sitting there and feeling a bit guilty about not serving God. Well, that defeats the purpose of the passage, doesn't it? Your conscience should be clean. Maybe you feel guilty that you haven't been serving the living God as you should have. Well, today is a new day. Confess your sin, ask for cleansing, and then move on. Every day is a new day. And so we should feel that. Yes, we can feel guilty about the way that we didn't serve the living God yesterday. But we should confess, move on, and serve him with joy. Our service of him should never be guilt-ridden. It should be a joyful service. When we help those at church, when we help our family, when we help those who are even our enemies, it should be with a joy because of what Christ has done for us. This afternoon, you have a little bit of time, I'm sure. If you don't have to go to work, don't have to meet up with people, maybe you have a bit of a relaxing Sunday afternoon ahead of you might be worth taking some time to spend it in the Lord with prayer. First thing you should do, thank him for his redemption. Thank him for the fact that he has redeemed you from sin and its consequences. Second thing you might want to do, thank him for a clean conscience. Imagine how hampered your life would be if you had an unclean conscience, if you still felt guilty. Thank him for those two things. And then ask him, 
how can I serve you, the living God, better? What can I improve on? What task is before me this week that I can do better? Not because I'm feeling guilty, but because I love you and what you've done for me. Maybe it's that you want to be more faithful in witnessing to someone. Maybe it's that you want to be more faithful in prayer or reading his word. Just focus on one thing this afternoon with the Lord in prayer. Ask for his help in serving him, not because you're guilty, feeling guilty, but because you love him and wish to serve him as a God who has redeemed you and cleansed you by the precious blood of Christ. Let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious truths contained here, that Christ has come as a high priest of good things that are already here, and that includes redemption from acts that lead to death and a clean conscience from acts that lead to death. Lord, we thank you so much for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is no blood greater. And so, Lord, we pray for anyone in this room who has not been redeemed, who has not been cleansed. We pray that they may come to Christ now and be washed. And, Lord, we pray for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us to focus on the redemption and the cleansing that Christ alone gives. And may that make us eager to serve, eager to live for you, the living God. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.